You may know you're listening to this show along the Marketing Podcast Network, but did you know there are other great shows on MPN to help your business? Christy Heiler hosts a fantastic podcast called Own It. Christy, tell us more about the show. Own It is all about celebrating women and non-binary advertising agency owners. We talk about buying out of the Boys Club of Advertising because less than 1% of ad agencies are owned by women. And where can people subscribe? You can find the podcast at untilyouownit.com. We're also on the Marketing Podcast Network at marketingpodcast.net. And of course, you can subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. You heard her. Go subscribe. Welcome to the Collective Cafe, a virtual coffee experience which takes place every single Monday through Friday, 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time in both Alpha Collective's Discord, that's discord.gg forward slash alpha collective and startup clubs house in clubhouse it's free it always will be free there are no strings attached there is no bait and switch lurk or listen only chat with one another in our back chat or even come onto stage the coffee shop is open for business whether you're on the treadmill getting the kids ready for school getting yourself ready for work commuting into the big bad city or maybe just even commuting from your bedroom to your home office on monday we manifest on tuesday we talk thought leadership on wellness wednesday we discuss mental health wellness and life skills on thursday we do live book reads and discussions with the author and then on friday it's no agenda friday where there is no agenda start your day off on the right foot on the front foot with virtual coffee with the collective cafe where we mastermind we manifest we collaborate we help one another at the business of web3 or anything else that intersects whether it's culture collaboration creativity innovation disruption entrepreneurship or coaching so give us a subscribe bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go or a review on your favorite podcast platform if you're listening on demand or of course join us every day live it is addictive and remember it is a safe welcoming space and you will never ever be put on the spot this is alpha collectives collective cafe my name is joseph jaffe well good morning <clears throat> good morning good morning how are you today it is 801. Normally I say it's 802, but today it's 801 because the early bird gets the uh, Thought Leadership Tuesday to talk about mistakes that CEOs mis- uh, CEOs make. I was going to say mistakes that CEO mistakes. Uh, I guess that would be Freudian, right? Um, so I found um, a PDF and, well, actually it was... A promotion on social media. You see, let me just reach for my coffee. Sometimes social media works. No, most of the time it doesn't, but sometimes it does. And uh, it was actually from um, a group called Vistage. And Vistage is like a professional organization like EO uh, or YPO. Um, and I went and uh, filled out the form and downloaded this PDF, uh, and the PDF was titled The Seven Biggest Mistakes CEOs Can Make and How to Avoid an Avalanche of Trouble. Now, who doesn't want to avoid avalanches of trouble? So quick shout-out to everyone here who's in the room today. Um, If this is your first time in the Startup Club or it's your first time in the Collective Cafe, we do this Monday through Friday. Uh, we do this 8 to 9 a.m. Eastern Standard Time. Um, we're always here. We uh, talk motivation and manifestation on Mondays, Tuesdays, thought leadership, Wednesdays, wellness, Thursday, live book reads, and Fridays, we do open mic, AMA. We, you know, if you actually have something on your mind and you want to take the stage and present, you can do that as well. Um, and we're going to start to uh, actually share. Um, episodes of my show, Joseph Jaffe's Not Famous, so I'll do like little episode recaps um, as well and discuss some of the highlights so you really kind of get the Cliff Notes version. My goal is for this to be the most valuable one hour of your day. How about that? The most valuable one hour of your day. And obviously I'm not referring to work itself, I'm referring to the things around work. 
And so the whole idea, the vision behind the Collective Cafe um, is that it's something that you can do. Obviously, if you're not in you know, Eastern Standard Time, it's different for you. But for the most part, the idea is that you're doing it while you are doing other things like walking on the treadmill, getting the kids ready for school, all the schools are going back in the U.S., um, or uh, jogging or commuting, um, etc. And of course, if it just happens to be too early or too late or um, you are in the middle of work, you can subscribe. Uh, bit.ly forward slash Collective Cafe to go is the podcast. One more thing, the link above is our final Alpha Beta preview talk. It's a free talk delivered by Unstoppable Domain COO Sandy Carter. And that is going to be happening tomorrow, 3 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. If you want to register, just use that link. It's free and you will have the ability to um, access, not only access or talk, but even get something called a POAP, a proof of attendance protocol, which gives you an opportunity to win a free full one-year membership pass to Alpha Collective. And that is worth $2,500. Um, so Isaac says, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. And uh, Elazmi says, hello, hello to you. Uh, let's get into today's subject, which is the seven biggest mistakes CEOs can make and how to avoid an avalanche of trouble. So what I'm going to do is, well, first of all, I think you should go and download um, the PDF yourself. And um, and it's a, a great B2B best practice, right, which is you offer a piece of thought leadership um, and then people have to register in order um, to download that free piece of thought leadership or IP. And in doing so, uh, you enter their funnel um, and in doing so, you have an opportunity um, to... Um, you know, uh, not to engage with them. I mean, if the, you know, the whole thinking, of course, is if uh, if this PDF was valuable enough for you to download, then surely there's more to meet than meets the eye. There's more um, IP and thought leadership, networking, etc., to come. So, big plug for Vistage. Uh, I'm not a member of Vistage, um, but let's see if uh, what happens if I enter the funnel, enter the danger, into the funnel. Um, so what I'm going to do is I'm going to kind of walk you through these seven mistakes and then I'll give you my own commentary. And then as always at about 8.45, 8.50, if anyone wants to come up and add to it, uh, please feel free to do so. I don't mind if anyone, um, you know, I the, the way I would say it is if you are known to me, like for example, Shadows Pub and Bez and uh, Christopher John Martins, you guys are regulars. So if you raise your hand, I know who you are. I know exactly what I'm going to get from you which doesn't mean that if you are not known to me, you can't come up. I just will kind of push that a little bit to the end. All right, so the PDF begins and it says, it's tough out there. And it really is tough out there. I mean, I feel, I get, I, I generally get a sense, like I, I'm a, I'm what's what's called a, a corporate empath. Um, <laughs> I just made that up right now. I kind of like that. Uh, I'm a bit of a corporate empath. I feel for companies, like I feel their pain. I get a really good sense as to like the pulse of business. It's just something I've been able to do um, really well. And, you know, at the moment, my sense right now is just it's like crickets out there. It is so quiet out there um, in business in general. Just pe- I don't know where people are. It's almost like people have been frozen. It's like, you know, to use the avalanche uh, analogy here, they've been covered in the snow and they're in deep freeze. Don't you feel this at the moment? Don't you feel like it's just so quiet out there? Who is talking? Who is making noise? Who is leading? Who is blazing trails? I can't think of anyone. I mean, the only visionary that's making any noise whatsoever is Elon Musk, and uh, he's probably making enough noise for everyone combined, but that's another story for another day. So my sense is it's quiet out there, um, and people just feel lost to me. There's no energy. There's no life. There's no passion and purpose. You know, this um, clubhouse should be full. This startup club should be full. The collective cafe should be full. People should be going nuts for this kind of interaction and engagement. And uh, whether whether you look at it as free IP or just the ability to kind of push ourselves and challenge and learn, and it just feels right now that it is just crickets. 
the amount of people that are reaching out to me. I, I had someone reach out to me to, to speak at some event, and then they just kept on asking me how many emails I had in my email list and whether I would bring my emails and whether I'd introduce people to people, to other speakers with emails. And I was like, what are you doing? What are you doing? You know, I mean, do you, you do realize that I'm soon to be a six-time book author that is keynoted in 50 countries. You don't think that I have the ability to bring content that your delegates would would insanely appreciate, right? It's, it's, it's not even a paid gig. But the fact is, they're asking me to do their job for them at the moment. That's not how events work. I mean, yes, you want to bring in uh, a keynote or someone who can tap into their audience, but you can't make that a condition. It's too transparent. It's too kind of like um, see-through. You know, transparency is good, but there is bad transparency. And bad transparency is when somebody basically says, hey, I've pretty much given up. I want you to come in, but I really need your audience and your content. Oh, and by the way, I'm not paying you. Please, um, that just isn't the way to do it. So it is tough out there right now. Um, and it's not going to get better. It's not going to get better unless we, we make it better, unless we actually take a proactive stance, a proactive step, and we become masters of our own destiny. It is as simple as that. So the first mistake is accepting the status quo. And, uh, you know, in every page, it's really beautifully art designed. It says, you know, try this, and it, it comes up with ideas. So, for example, conduct a 360-degree assessment. What I'll do is I'll just read to you the, the blurb. Uh, Some CEOs are unwilling to take ownership of their leadership development. Content with the way things are, they choose a path that feels more comfortable and easy, free from criticism and self-reflection, blissfully unaware of blind spots. They let constructive feedback go to waste, unmotivated to address their shortcomings or reflect on them. Instead of asking, what am I missing? They accept the status quo and settle for subpar results. Now, I do want to just take a moment and say, look, this is a piece of thought leadership, a white paper. Um, it is a lead generation tool coming from Vistage. Of course, they have um, an agenda. Of course, they have a self-serving motive. To deny that and to deny them that is is in you know is um, almost unacceptable. So I think we always, whilst we should come in um, with a healthy degree of skepticism, we should also come in with a uh, healthy degree of humility to recognize not everything in this is going to be like a uh, Michelin star course, you know, or a restaurant at a Michelin star restaurant. Some of it is going to be kind of like candy, right? You've got to pick and choose. You've got to find just one insight that, that connects for you. Just like I've said to you in the Collective Cafe, you just have to find one insight in an hour that you can actually implement, integrate, that can actually help you make money. It was all worth it. But if you come in expecting the entire hour to be valuable, then you're going to be disappointed. And if you come in and, and get irritated or, or pissed or, or frustrated that the person who's delivering me in this case is you know providing a link or saying, oh, by the way, it would be awesome if you could sign up for this email or, or I'm a business coach if you're interested. To deny them that as well is kind of short-sighted and a little selfish. And so those are the lenses that I use. I give them grace and I give them slack, even though I know and I understand what the intention is. Quite frankly, I feel in these moments, whether it's a clubhouse room or Downloading a PDF, it is a two-way street and a two-way relationship. So if I get, I should give, and vice versa, it works It works the other way around, right? What am I getting? I'm getting IP and thought leadership. I'm getting thought starters. I'm, quite frankly, getting fodder for this entire hour. What am I giving? Well, I'm giving my email address. I'm giving them the ability to contact me, but I'm also giving them some publicity too. And uh, I could choose not to. I could have chosen 
just to uh, deliver an entire hour on the seven mistakes of CEOs. I could have even changed the words if I wanted to, but that's not fair. So instead, I meet them halfway and I say, this is not my IP, but I'm going to riff and comment and, and add commentary and context and color to all of that. And, and so inherent, even in what I just did just now, just there, is I'm also giving you opportunities how you can create content. If you're thinking, but I don't know what to say, I don't know what to talk about, I, I don't have an original spark, you don't need one. You need somebody else intrigues you or sets off your own thought process and you build on that, you add to that. I've said this many times, the three kinds of thought leadership. So number one, what we do is we, we add to, well, number one is we come up with purely original content. Number two is what we do is we add to that existing content in terms of commentary. Number three is we could actually do something different. So not only am I adding to the seven mistakes, but I could actually come up and say, and here's number eight, nine, and ten. And then the final one is I could zig when the others zag. I could, for example, I could say, um, well, the first example, the original commentary could be instead of the seven mistakes, it could be the seven best practices or the seven superpowers of um, the um, uh, CEO. Now, that is not contrary, right? That is just original content that has been in a way inspired by. But the zag would be pushing back and disagreeing or actually say, well, here's why accepting the status quo is good. So a different perspective that runs counter or contrary to the widespread or the popular belief or consensus. So in this case, accepting the status quo, what Vistage is doing is they really are talking about actually um, management by walkabout. They're talking about actually talking to your employees, to your direct reports, to your leadership team, um, and getting feedback. And and the four steps of, of what they call a a 360-degree assessment is make it personal, say thank you, set measurable goals, and schedule another assessment. So obviously, I like this idea. I don't think accepting the status quo is ever good. But I think in this particular case, the status quo is perpetuated. You have to read between the lines. The, the status quo is perpetuated because there is no conversation. There is no... um debate. There is no question asked, which is things are going well or even okay, but could they be better? We don't know what we don't know. So what if we actually determined, you know, to ask that question, what are we missing? Just because things have worked this way, we do things this way because they've always been done this way, doesn't mean there isn't a better way out there. So I don't think it's ever good to accept the status quo. I think it's always important to be able to determine how to go, how to grow, how to move, how to keep moving, how to build. You know, the only time a status quo should be acceptable is when it is a foundational status quo. And by foundational status quo, what I mean is this idea of um, a solid stable um, um, foundation upon which to build. Something um, that is uh, immovable, something that is immutable, um, something that uh, is like your North Star or is like your purpose, like your core uh, values, something that should almost never move. Um, That is a kind of status quo. That is something that can never change because if it changes, then everything changes. Um, And of course, you have to be very clear about what is foundational status quo versus what isn't, right? Because when we get trapped into the way things are or the way things things always have been is the way things always will be, that is when complacency uh, sets in. So let's move um, to number two. And as always, if you have any questions or comments, you can put them in the chat Um, And at some point, if you'd like to come up, I welcome you on stage. Number two is never stepping away from the business. 
CEOs who never stop working do a disservice to their companies, albeit unintentionally. Some of of these leaders have workaholic habits, a tightly wound personality, and a tendency to react before they think. They struggle to make time for reading, reflection, or rest. Not only does this make them less productive, but it causes them to lose perspective on the direction of the company. Eventually, they burn out and cause others around them to burn out too. So the try this recommendation here is to make space for reflective thinking. Get out of the workspace, pick up a book, learn something that sparks you, um, attend the collective cafe. I mean, there's actually a lot in this idea that talks about diversity of thought, um, that talks about continued learning, um, that talks about uh, pausing and reflecting, that actually also talks about not working, right? Because when you do get out of the workspace and pick up a book, who's to say the book has to be about work as well? You might pick up a biography of a great leader Okay, that might be kind of worky related, right? You're going to read Steve Jobs' book or, you know, and um, you're going to pick up some inspiration, some thoughts, some things that Jobs did that you that, that inspire you to, you know, change your behavior or some things that he did that you think, I'll never do that or I should stop doing that because, you know, he, brilliant, brilliant man, sage, visionary, everything, but sometimes not the, not the greatest uh, leader or manager as well, and because you know he was a true visionary. So I think uh, on one hand, the point here is we need to pause, we need to slow down, we need to disconnect, um, we need to be able to stop and smell the roses. We need to often be able to pick up our head and look around and take stock and uh, zoom out, um, introspect introspect in order to have a different kind of perspective. It is just so important when we become so blinkered and blind to everything going on. We absolutely lose uh, perspective and we lose um, our objectivity as well because we are now so embedded and integrated in the business. We don't have the ability to make good decisions for the business because we are in the weeds There's a very important thing that we say at EOS, which is to move from working in the business to working on the business. And the only way you do that is to actually carve out specific time where you can eliminate distraction and you can focus on actually really focus on that perspective as well. So get out of the workspace, pick up a book, learn something that sparks you. And, and I would ask all of you to think about this. You know, every day, number one, are you learning something new? Number two, are you actually learning something new um, about something that actually isn't part of your core focus? You know, this was something months ago we spoke about in the Collective Cafe of going into small rooms. And instead of only going into rooms that were large, because we fall into the trap of thinking a large room equals a good room, a small room equals a bad room. When we're in the corridors, in the hallways of Clubhouse or in Twitter, we look and go, eight people in that room, well, that can't be any good. That's absolute junk. I'm saying that that belief is, is junk. You have no idea how good the room is. The only way to actually determine that is to go into it. And yes, sometimes, you know, you're going to see a fancy, snappy title, but then there is also this thing called link bait. So sometimes we get fooled or we fool ourselves into going into the wrong rooms. Um, I always loved, um, uh, Brian Fanzo said, we have to get the right people in the wrong rooms and the wrong people in the right rooms. Um, And that is the kind of diversity of thought that I think makes uh, so much sense. Just want to say hello to uh, Bears and Slick uh, who are in our Discord uh, as well um, and would love to see your thoughts and maybe have you guys come up to stage as well. Um, and um, let's continue. Number three. Number three. Uh, relying solely on their own perspective. 
Some CEOs fall into the habit of insular thinking where they operate in isolation and ignore outside perspectives. Other CEOs falsely assume they have enough experience or expertise to make big decisions without anyone's input. These leaders are prone to confirmation bias and may overlook data or opinions that contradict what they believe to be true. They also lose out on the the rewards that come from diversity of thought. So it's a continuation of this diversity point. But now we're talking about something else. We're talking about, you know, like number one, and and look, you can already see an an interesting common theme, which is a little bit, you know, kind of biased, no doubt, right? Because what is Vistage? Vistage is a peer group where you're meant to come in and, and talk to other people and get perspectives and bounce stuff off and not keep things close to your chest. But now if we suspend our, you know, our snarkiness or our skepticism or our disbelief, Let's let's find the nuggets. Let's find the gold, right? So the first one talks about not talking to people about feedback, but in this particular case, it's the ability to to get um, not not perspective, well, not feedback, but input from other people. This thing is good. How can we make it better? There's also a flip side, which is I don't want people to tell me that it's not good. I don't want people to tell me that it's bad. I don't want people to crap all over or shit in my shit all over my idea. I'm too precious. You know, I am too fragile. Um, I need, I want, you know, the concept of success theater, just good news. I only want yes men and women and people around me. Um, it's a very dangerous mistake, this one. When you are only, when you feel that you are out in front, look, you are the leader. But as, as Tom Peters says, a leader's job is to create more leaders. And if you actually trust the people around you, then you have the ability to actually pick and choose or actually just let the entire table get laid um, with the perspective, a buffet, a feast fit for a king. And then you get the ability to perhaps curate or try a few different things or sample the fruits or sample the wares. So the idea here is, um, you know, sometimes just bouncing stuff off complete strangers even. You know, when when you're in a moment, um, you know, at the airport waiting for a plane to board. Hey, listen, I was just, you know, like, this, this might seem a little bit random, um, but could I ask your point of view? What do you? Th- I I've been thinking about a new uh, business idea or a new campaign or a, you know a new product, and I just like you know I just wanted to get your complete you know just just visceral gut reaction. And and that person might even say, "But I'm a stranger. I don't even know your business." And 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 the answer might be, "Yeah, you don't need to know my business because you might be the customer buying." this product at some point as well. So when you rely on your own perspective, um, you are absolutely cutting yourself off and shutting yourself off from the possibility that however great your idea is, it could be better. And of course, the reverse um, is true as well. Just like there is um, a complexity algorithm, right, that um, I can't draw it for you right now, but it's actually part of the the training that I do um, at EOS that basically just says, as you increase people into the equation from one person to two to three to four to five, the, the, the lines of communication and complexity increase. But the same is actually true with respect to brainstorming, creativity, and perspective that the more people you add, the more perspective increases exponentially, both quantity and quality, the number of perspectives or opinions, but also the quality via triangulation, via the ability to riff to yes and to be able to build on top of that. Number four, you can see where it's all leading, letting ego Get in the way. Leaders with high egos close themselves off to personal growth, new ideas, and better ways of doing things. When 
Criticized, they're prone to get defensive. When addressed, they tend to interrupt. High ego leaders don't like to ask questions, appear vulnerable, or take ownership when things go wrong. Not only does this make them unlikable as leaders, but it also makes them ineffective. Now, let's just take the likable versus unlikable out the equation just for a moment, because look, we're not always lucky enough um, to have bosses that we actually like personally um, or even respect personally. Um, we don't even, we may not even like them professionally. Um, and we struggle, I guess. I guess we have to respect them professionally. I mean, they're our bosses at the end of the day. They must have a degree of competence. But I've always actually believed that you have to like and respect people, everyone, from the people that are below you to the side of you, above you. You have to like and respect them personally and like and respect them professionally as well. So what is one of the reasons why leaders rely solely on their own perspective? Why they perhaps are control freaks and never step away from the business? Why they accept the status quo because they're never asking for feedback or listening to it? It's because ego ultimately gets in the way. Um, in this PDF, uh, it talks about this idea of... Um, the best leaders are confident without being egotistical. They're curious, humble, purpose-driven, and honest about what they know and don't know. Um, one of the core values in EOS is this idea of being humbly confident as well. You want to be confident, but at the same time, you shouldn't have to uh, check your humility at the door. You know, ego and confidence don't are not a package deal, right? Remember that. Ego and confidence are not a package deal. So what do you, what do, you do? What is the checklist that uh, ultimately comes into play? I mean, at the end of the day, what you want to do is you actually just want to kind of be a little bit, I would say, just more down to earth. Just, just come off your high horse, off your pedestal, and be just a little bit more like just be normal, be, be human, right? Take away, strip away the titles and the roles and the direct reports and the, and the formality and just keep it real. You're all human beings trying to do a job. You know, there is a time and a place for everything. There's a time and a place for formality and there's a time and a place for informality. You know, there's a time and a place when you can actually have a moment with your boss or with a leader where they're acting completely in a way out of character, but in a cool way, in a goofy, zany way where you can actually just be in the moment and realize, hey, we may never get this again. You know, now that, you know, and it could be, look, it could be a team building activity, like, I don't know, like paintball or whatever, or you could be making pottery with that CEO, um, it's at that moment where you actually have to just check everything at the door and just focus on the human um, interaction. And where ego fits in, ego doesn't fit in in that environment, but that's in a team-building exercise. It's much more difficult in, in a professional environment, in a company. You know, it's, um, it's always a very interesting exercise for me. When you, when you look at a meeting, if you're looking at, at tapings of meetings, um, and you got to pick the leader. You know, probably nine times out of ten, you're going to be able to pick the leader correctly. Why? Why is it easy to pick the leader? Um, well, there are a bunch of reasons. One, they might talk the most. They probably do talk the most. The other one might be kind of body language or posture. Um, the, another one might be when they talk. You know, do they talk first? Do they talk last? Do they talk the most? Do they talk the least? Do they interrupt? Or, you know, do they break down or do they build? But generally, generally, I would say it would be, you know, aspirationally, you want to be able to watch a meeting, a leadership team meeting with eight people around the table, and you should be like, I honestly don't know who the leader is. This is insane. I don't know who the boss is. You know, um, they all seem to be contributing. They all seem to be treating each other equally with the same respect, with the same grace. 
And by the way, that only comes from having a core value and a culture that allows for that as well. That checks politics and toxicity um, and inadequacy and insecurity at the door. So that is number four. Number five is making erratic decisions. CEOs who make erratic decisions lack discipline. They don't take time to pressure test assumptions or weigh their options, often because they're time-strapped or stressed out. As a result, they lose sight of what's most important and prioritize the speed of decision-making over the decision itself. In some cases, they're motivated by a quick way to generate fast returns and neglect the rigor. Those calls often come at the expense of the company's long-term performance. Now, this one is a tricky one. And, um, you know, and actually um, one of the tools uh, or ideas in um, this um, page is something called the Eisenhower uh, Matrix. Um, I don't know if you've ever, ever heard of it. If anyone has heard of the Eisenhower Matrix uh, please uh, indicate, just put in the chat um, and and let me know, It'd be interesting. Um, I personally had never heard of it um, and um, and it's not <laughs> it's not actually like insanely I'm looking um, hello to Jensa as well in in Discord and Tim Lynch is there in Discord as well. Um, I am going to just paste the link uh, in our Discord. And I will paste it as well um, in the room. So let me know if you've heard of the Eisenhower matrix before. What is the Eisenhower matrix? Um, it actually, um, it's interesting. It says Dwight D. Eisenhower was the 34th president of the United States. Before becoming president, he served as a general in the U.S. Army and the Allied Forces Supreme Commander during World War II. Uh, he also later became NATO's first Supreme Commander, Dwight had to make tough decisions continuously about which of the many tasks he should focus on each day. This finally led him to invent the world-famous Eisenhower principle. Isn't that crazy? He, ne- he actually invented a principle named after him, uh, which today helps us prioritize by urgency and importance. And all you're doing and all you're seeing in this um, is a very simple a matrix that says urgent or less urgent on the one axis, axis, axes, and the other one that says less important and important. And so you actually end up with four quadrants, which is do first, first focus on important tasks to be done the same day. Number two, schedule. Important but not so urgent stuff should be scheduled. Number three is delegate. What's urgent but less important, delegate to others. And number four is don't do. What's neither urgent nor important, don't do at all. And this is a very important component of leadership. You know, the, the whole concept um, of, of delegate and elevate as well. Um, when does it go down? When does it go up? When does it stay um, inside um, as well? Um, I have a couple of thoughts uh, on this one in particular. Uh, first of all, um, you know, I'm a big fan and have spoken about making quick decisions, right? We've spoken about the whole think and grow rich, Napoleon Hill. Um, we've spoken about this whole idea that it is better to make a wrong decision quickly than to make the right decisions too slowly or no decision at all. But I don't think that that's what this is saying. You know, what this is basically saying is that you need a discipline um and accountability associated um, with the way that you make decisions. You need a decision-making process. That decision-making process can actually include making quick decisions, but you still need a process. Um, And, um, you know, for me, it's almost like I would call it like a code. Like I've been talking, I think the other day I spoke about like Dexter, like the serial, the the, the good guy serial killer had a code. You need a code. You need to be able to very quickly color code. This is actually color coded, believe it or not. Um, if you're looking at the link, it is very much color coded, right? So in this particular case, um, you know, it talks about Alan Mullally, um, who was Ford's 
um, and and Boeing's CEO, um, and um, he he has color coded issues. Green means on plan. Yellow for issues that are off plan but being dealt with. Red for issues that are off plan but not yet being addressed. So so he has his own color code. But I'm talking about just a code. Like for me now, coming out of um, this, my own discovery, my own why, my own purpose is, um, and I kind of updated it uh, today even, which is which is I help high aspiring individuals and companies get unstuck return to growth, and become forever changed. I wanted to add in the idea, instead of high performing I, I, or, or anything, I went with high aspiring because this is, you know, this refers to ambition and motivation and potential. Um, people that want something more, that feel they're, they're not, you know, achieving what they perhaps believe they ought to or are capable of achieving. That is what it is to be a high aspiring individual or a high aspiring company. And uh, so that allows me to be able to say, is this opportunity going to allow me to help a high aspiring individual or individuals or company, right? Whether it's an event, whether it's a project, whether it's a collaboration, get unstuck, return to growth, and become forever changed? And if the answer is no, then for me, it's a hell no. Something we've discussed before, right? There is hell yes, there is hell no, and for everything else, there's just hell. So it's important to be able to at least have some method to the madness. But what we don't want to do and what you don't want to do, and what your CEO, what you don't want your CEO to do, is to make erratic decisions. Erratic decisions could be motivated based on short-term gain or even short-term pain. Decisions you make because you are falling short of your quotas or your quarterly earning forecast, etc. These are almost um, short-term gains, if anything, that will lead to long-term pains. And you've got to be able to resist the urge. You've got to resist the urge to feed the ego. You've got to resist the urge to make an erratic, what is an erratic decision? An erratic decision is one that does not fit in with the code or with your process or with your culture. Or, quite frankly, in the case of that leadership team, that you are now you know, disintermediating or circumventing because you're not talking to them. Remember the previous uh, couple of mistakes, relying solely on their own perspective, letting ego get in the way. You are now making decisions that you either know consciously, which is much worse. I don't know which is worse, but actually I think if you know how people are going to react and you go rogue, even as the boss, I think that's worse than actually making that decision with some element of good faith, but actually later realizing it was the wrong decision. Well, guess what? You wouldn't have actually ended up in that situation had you just opened up a little bit, had you not held your cards so close to your chest, and had you shared that decision, which may very well have been termed an erratic decision. Number six is not finding a good guide. So this is all about coaching. And I have to tell you, i got to tell you, that I, until I became a coach, I have goosebumps right now just because that's my body's reaction to me. I never had a coach in my life. I never had a mentor in my life. You know, uh, I've discussed this before. It came down to the fact that when my dad died when I was four, I didn't want to bother my mom. I was the oldest of three, and I just blazed through my whole life, stumbling like an absolute moron, never asking opinions, and never being able to be guided by a coach. Leadership excellence rarely happens without help from others. CEOs need mentors to advise them. 
coaches to challenge them, and subject matter experts to inform them. They also need a trusted group of peers. Right, this is Vistage, so now you can see where Vistage comes in, um, who can serve as a sounding board when they're working through tough or messy problems. Without the support, a CEO will find it harder to stay accountable, make informed decisions, and grow as a leader. Too many business executives overlook these benefits and go to loan. I can tell you now, at 9 a.m., I have a, a pod, a small cohort, where we connect and discuss this PQ, this positive intelligence quotient program, coaching program that I'm doing. Um, I have an accountability partner that came out of my EOS boot camp. Um, I have um, our entire cohort. We meet once a month. We're called the Tie Downs. Um, I have a cohort as well um, in a service company that seven of us implementers or coaches um, are, are part of um, serving the tri-state area. Um, I have almost too many guides now as well. And you know what? I can't get enough of it as well. Um, what what the white paper says here or the PDF, it says, what do great coaches bring to business leaders? Coaches are great sounding boards. Coaches have emotional intelligence. Coaches provide a confidential space. Coaches teach from real-world experience. And coaches live for serving business leaders. And um, I think you raised your hand, Christelle. I definitely bring you up um, in a minute as well because I think you are an Uber coach um, as well. So find a mentor. Find a coach. Find an accountability buddy. Find a peer, informally or formally. Have someone that is going to keep you honest. Have someone that you can keep honest as well. Um, this idea of, of not finding a good guide, it's so valuable. Because oftentimes, we're lost and we don't even know it. And a guide, a Sherpa, that actually knows the terrain, can guide you along. And often they'll say, this is as far as we go. You know, this is as far as we can go. You've got to take it from here. That's fine. We're not talking about being spoon-fed. We're not talking about having someone do it for us. Oftentimes, we just need the, the 80, we just need to go 80% of the way there and then kind of take it from there. In fact, actually going back to EOS, EOS has a policy of actually taking only a 2080 approach, the 20% of steps that can get you 80% of the way there. Less is more is, the, is a mantra that is followed that actually says, let's not overcomplicate this. The other thing, and I'll say this before, before going into the final mistake that CEOs make, is sometimes maybe your guide actually um, is lost as well, or the terrain is unknown, but there is strength in numbers. And between the two of you, you can figure it out. You can triangulate. You can divide and conquer. You can bounce stuff off each other as opposed to holding it close to your chest. And then finally, the seventh mistake says focusing entirely on their own growth and not their team's growth. CEOs have a dual responsibility to develop themselves and develop their employees. Focusing only on the former leads to big problems in the long term. Retention will suffer as employees won't stay with a company that doesn't invest in them. Workplace skills will stagnate, leading to declining productivity and poor performance. Without a strong senior team to support them, the CEO will find themselves increasingly lonely at the top. Yes, I know there's a statement that says it's tough at the top, but it's even worse at the bottom. Um, that's just a joke. Um, you know, that should not apply in this particular case. Tom Peters says, and I will repeat it again, a leader's job is to create more leaders. You know, I've used this quote as well, with apologies for it being politically incorrect, because at the time, David Ogilvy, you know, it was a different time. Um, but he said, if you hire a company of people that are better than you, you end up with a company of giants. And if you hire a company and people that are smaller than you, you end up with a company of midgets. Um, so that's the politically incorrect term that we don't use anymore. But that is the quote as well. Are you surrounding yourself with people that truly are better than you? Now, a lot of leaders will turn around and they'll say it. They'll go, you know, like I'm, uh, you know, 
everyone around me is just like you know rock stars or they'll like they'll be almost self-deprecating and they'll say that publicly but privately they either don't believe it or they don't actually live it as well if you have people that are better than you then then allow them to be better because it will make you better it's the same thing when you play tennis uh, against someone that's better than you, it raises your game when you play tennis or or any sport against someone that's not as good. It brings the whole game down. It brings your game down. <clears throat> and so the goal here is figure out a way to develop leaders. It's not the Joe show, right? Whenever you see any company or any community that is dominated by one person and one voice it's a red flag you want to see you want to see a, a diverse a robust you want to see a team you want to see a community of like-minded people you want to train the trainer you want the student to become the teacher and the teacher to become the student that is a healthy organization and ultimately, if you are a leader and if you are to be a leader, then the idea is not to be going out alone because that is lonely and it is scary and it is awful to have the weight of the world on your shoulders. On the flip side, it is unbelievable, it is empowering, it is, it is just so gratifying to feel like you're part of a family. This is the CEO that sits in the meeting and doesn't say anything, and smiles, and allows their team to shine, and doesn't jump in and correct them, or interrupt them, doesn't cut them off at the knees, doesn't humiliate them, or belittle them, or or over-talk them. And when they talk, they talk softly, and everybody listens. They synthesize, they frame, they reframe, <clears throat> They allow people to do the jobs that they were hired to do. This is the CEO that truly can leave the business. This is the CEO that absolutely can take a step back and stop and smell the roses and be able to look at what they've built, (coughs) excuse me, with pride, allowing people to flourish and to shine, allowing legacy to set in, allowing succession and continuity. And um, I think those are your seven mistakes, that biggest mistakes that CEOs can make. In our time left, our nine minutes, um, I would love to see if anyone has any questions, any comments, any thoughts? Um, is there, do you disagree with any of these uh, lessons uh, or mistakes? Is there an eighth mistake that perhaps uh, Vistage left off that they should have included? Um, I would love to turn it over to anyone, either in the chat or raise your hand if you'd like to come up and, um, and comment. Otherwise, what I will do is I will segue, and as we've started to do lately, um, rather than be stubborn uh, about time, I will give you back some time. Um, And as I say that every day, um, that's your cue, Christopher. (laughs) I mean, you you got to love this as well because in your Mm -hmm. field, um, it's I mean, when you talk about talent, um, I mean, this is hiring and 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 promoting and empowering and training i mean this is like this is has got to be like core to the ceo yeah we oh, just rugged himself <clears throat> he just got rugged by his own ceo i guess um here he is he's back Yeah, I don't know if I did something, but I just uh, kicked myself out of the room, we'll say. But um, yeah, I I think when you look at leaders and organizations, especially at the CEO level, uh, there's so many different um, management styles. And, you know, for me, it really comes down. 
You think he just he just got rugged again? <clears throat> Do you think maybe his CEO is actually preventing him from uh, exposing him? No, I don't know. Um, well, I can't Im- I can't guess what he was saying, obviously, um, but we'll see if he if he comes back um, as well. Um, yeah, I must say I um, I love this format as well. I love um, this. Also, goes back to the whole concept of you know thought leadership, which is. When you see something, you know, there's the the whole quote, when you see something, say something. Um, I have a different view, which is when you see something, uh, bookmark it. <laughs> or when you see something, save something. Oh, that's a good one. I like that one. I'm, gonna, I'm writing that down. When you see something, save something. I try to take some notes today. These are the notes that I took. Um Corporate corporate empath, right? I really like that idea. Uh, foundational status. Um, the Fanzo quote, the right people in the wrong rooms and the wrong people in the right rooms. Um, ego and confidence are not a package deal. That's a good quote. Um, the, the whole concept of we all need a code. Um, and then this kind of quote, which is when you see something, save something. I'm telling you, when you see something, if immediately sometimes, like on my mobile phone, my little trick, my tip for you is I just, I screenshot it. Or often, if it's a link, I'll just open it up in my Safari um, on my mobile phone. You know, if it's possible to save it as a bookmark, I save it. Um, you know, it's, it's otherwise we, you know, we, we, we are like either doom scrolling or whatever the case may be. We are oftentimes, we see so much just pass our desks and our eyes every day um and if we just take a moment to bookmark it or save it or you know it's it's like the concept in a magazine you would just tear it out right you would just tear it out a little whether it was an ad or it was a quote or an article etc we've got to be better at doing that because that's how we find these every day these nuggets if you are you know on linkedin a lot um instagram etc you know if uh, it, it's actually kind of ironic because, quite frankly, if you know the people like the vestige of the world are ta- are doing a good job targeting you, well, guess what? You know this stuff is going to come to you, right? As opposed to you have to go to it or look for it. So it actually worked out beautifully in this particular case. Um, that this just appeared as a promoted ad. I I guess in my inbox, I'm like, hell, you know, I I'm in. I want to know what the seven mistakes of CEOs are. And now it's created um, not only one hour of content, which of course is available now as a podcast. If you came late to the room and you want to, you can look at the replay. Obviously replays are on or you can subscribe to, you know, over 120 episodes now of uh, the Collective Cafe. And that is bit.ly forward slash collective cafe to go but i'm going to be able to now go ahead and create an article for linkedin or or an article for substack and in my role as an implementer i can actually send this article to all of my clients or all of my prospects as well so all of this content just came from me seeing something for a blink for a blink of an eye for one second and you know capturing it putting my email address in, saving it, screenshotting it, or the equivalent of a tear sheet as well. Um, So a little tip for you as well. Um, Whether you are just creating content for your organization publicly or just want to be able to bring something smart to your next status meeting or all hands as well. So I am going to wind us down uh, today to wish you all um, an amazing, amazing Tuesday. Uh, may all your dreams come true and then some. Uh, go ahead and check out what are the Eisenhower Matrix and see if you can employ or deploy that. Uh, go and type Vistage, V-I-S-T-A-G-E, the seven biggest mistakes CEOs can make and see if you can find the PDF that way. Um, I probably should have had a link um, to the actual page, um, but I'm pretty sure you'll be able to find it if you want to uh, as well. And uh, maybe finally just take stock, if you are the leader, to what degree do you accept the status quo 
Um, do you never step? Uh, you never step away from the business. You rely solely on your own perspective. You let ego get in the way. You make erratic decisions. You don't find or have a good guide, and you focus entirely on your own growth and not your team's growth. Or if not you, your own leader. Um, if it is um, you, well, consider yourself educated. And if it's your leader, uh, figure out a way maybe to just slip them this PDF. Or if you want to be a little bit more subtly, you could say, "Hey, just uh, had an, um, you know, just discovered Joseph Jaffe's Collective Cafe. What a great uh, Monday through Friday uh, virtual coffee." And if you want to be subtle, you can say. Um, you can actually subscribe. Oh, here are the shows from this week, for example, um, and figure out a way for them to discover this episode without seeming like it came uh, from you. Well, uh, I said I was going to leave you early, and I lied. Um, so now I'm going to leave you early. Have an amazing day and uh, talk to you tomorrow. I'll be here. Hope you will too. This podcast is heard along the Marketing Podcast Network. For more great marketing podcasts, visit marketingpodcasts.net.